0: Welcome to The Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, September 23rd, a day Every tennis fan has been dreading has finally come to its close. Roger Federer's immense, immaculate, dare I say, one of the greatest careers of all time has finally come to a close. Unfortunately for Federer fans, his final match ends in defeat. He and Rafa falling just short in three sets to Jack Sock and Francis Tiafo to wrap up day one of the 2022 Laver cup but beyond the result it will be a night defined by the emotion. Roger Federer moved to tears in his final speech to the adoring Laver Cup crowd and certainly from a tennis perspective there were plenty of highlights. The fact that Rafa and Roger had a match point up 9-8 in the third set breaker Federer attempting to go around the net post at times in this match there were overheads there were quick reactions there was plenty of fun tennis for us to discuss on today's show. But of course, how can we not dwell on some of the amazing things Roger Federer has done throughout the course of his career, not discuss the significance he has had to the entire professional tennis world. It was a day of fantastic action. And of course, if you look on your mini break podcast feed, you will see I already recapped all of the day's tour level action, Tokyo, Seoul, France, San Diego, we even talked a little challenger's on that earlier show, but on this podcast, I want to talk strictly about day one of the 2022 Labor Cup, and yes, that means diving into Federer, Nadal, sock Tiafo at the start, but we have three entertaining singles matches on the day as well, and you never want to read too much into one of these Labor Cup results. Yes, they count it on the ATP stats, yes, or in the ATP stats, excuse me, they count it in terms of total wins in your professional career, but it is still a glorified exhibition. It is still a third set breaker as such. You never want to read too far into these matches, but there are a few things we can glean from the results and I want to offer those thoughts here on today's show. So as promised, it's part two of a two mini break podcast Friday. How can we not divide today's action into two parts? It really has been that busy of a day in the pro tennis world. Of course, a shout out as always to our friends at Tennis Point who make it possible for us here at Crack rackets to provide all of you fans the information you need to remain the most well-informed best educated fans in the business of course they also provide the best equipment at the lowest prices and you name it rackets shoes strings clothes they've got everything you could possibly be looking for every brand and i know i'm not supposed to say this too loudly but if you are interested in pickleball they've got you covered there as well everything you're looking for in one location tennis-point.com use that promo code cr15 You'll get 15% off all sale items, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. And you'll get – best of all, you'll let them know we sent you there. So again, shout out to our friends at Tennis Point. -point Tennis-point.com, simple, not the spelling. Tennis-point.com, the promo code is CR15. With that said, ah, what a night of tennis. And just a quick thought I had. Going into tonight's match, I wanted to try and engage with as many fans as possible. And one way to do that on Twitter, they have this feature called Twitter Spaces where you can start a conversation with anyone who follows you or anyone who's just interested in joining the chat and is on Twitter because I was fascinated to know how other fans were treating this moment, even if in the big four, big three discussion and we're not having that debate right now, I promise all of you listeners will save that. We will do... The Roger Federer argument for greatest of all time over the course of the next weeks. That feels like a fun podcast for us to have and I'll bring in a fun guest for us to have that discussion, but we're not having that discussion today, I promise all of you listeners. I will again say though, you know, there is something to having Roger Federer play in this moment, what he's meant to the tennis world, the fact that if you were born to you know 1990 or later if you were born 1980 even or later the past 20 years of tennis Roger Federer has been one of the definitive faces and one of the most significant players if not the most significant whether in the men's or women's game i mean again it's him Serena Rafa Djokovic that's your mount rushmore over the past two decades and even if You aren't in the Roger Federer camp of the greatest of all time discussion. I think everyone can respect and understand what he has meant to the sport, not only on the court winning 20 majors and, you know, capturing title after title from 2006 to 2010 where he was the best player, really 2004 to 2010. It was Roger Federer's world. We were all just living in it for him to extend his prime into the late 2010s, his 2017 season over the age of 30 to win – or over the age of 34, excuse me, to win two Grand Slams and then to follow it up with that 2018 Australian Open title as well. I mean again – two plus decades of excellence out of Roger Federer and everyone at some point right now who's a fan of professional tennis, unless you really joined up in the last two years. And if you did, welcome to the sport. But even then, you're aware of what Roger Federer has meant not only to this game, but again, as a global ambassador, I jokingly referred to this when he announced his retirement, but you remember the Gillette commercials where it's Tim, Tiger Woods, and you know David Beckham, Tom Brady—it's you know the Air Jet commercials where he had that private jet that he was flying, and he was always a part of it. Or obviously the Rolex commercials, time after time at Wimbledon—it's you know again him looking at the gold watch, swinging through his forehand so elegantly, and you know again he's often been referred to. I'm, I, I keep saying again because I know all of you as tennis fans have heard these things before uh, given the – dominance Roger Federer has had over the past two plus decades. He's a ballerina out there. We will never see a player look so gracious, make everything look so effortless, and that is not diminishing how good players like Rafa or or Novak or anyone else on tour is, but there's just an ease with which Roger Federer did everything on and off the court. The guy speaks like 12 languages. I mean, again, countless charities, what his foundation has done. We can talk about all of these things when we put our final bow on Roger Federer's career, but you take all of that emotion into tonight's match. As expected, it was a really tight start across the board. And ultimately, it was a first set for Roger and Rafa. They take it 6-4, only one break of serve in the set. Not the most beautiful set of tennis. Yeah, you know, again, Roger connected on a couple of inside-out or down-the-line inside-in forehand returns, pushed Tiafo at the net, and it was very clear the game plan was attack Francis at all times. And how could you not have that be your game plan when the other half of the equation is Jack Sock, who every point or every time we play the Labor Cup, we inevitably have the discussion is Jack Sock the best doubles player in the world. His serve forehand combination, his ability at the net, the reflexes, his instincts on when to poach, when to be aggressive, when to pull the trigger down the line. There's an argument certainly to be made that he's in the conversation, but it was not a pretty first set of tennis. And then, you know, again, you got to give credit to. Sock and Tiafo, who came out and got an early break of serve to go up 3-2 in set number two and felt like they had a little bit of momentum, built themselves a 40-15 lead. Sock has a volley on top of the net, a backhand volley he ultimately misses in the net. So it goes back to Deuce. And, you know, again, then things got a little bit tight and Roger Rafa able to connect on a couple of returns, forced Tiafo to have to create at the baseline. And again, anytime Tiafo pushed to the net, which he did very frequently, if any, if you're going to give Tiafo credit for anything, it has to be his willingness to continue to move forward, even when he wasn't always clicking with his volleys. You know, again, Federer and Adal get that break immediately back. There was a weird double bounce incident where, you know, the chair umpire, he wasn't sure if it was a double bounce or Tiafo swung and hit it twice in a single swing. But on replay, it looked like one continuous swing that ended up he made contact with the ball twice. That said, the rule is if you make contact with the ball twice in a single motion it's legal because it was one singular motion that said we had to a breaker and that's where you have to give credit to Sak and Tiafo, who continue to be the aggressors continue to push forward i mean captured momentum early in that second set breaker. And I know I'm not breaking down any points in particular. Yes, there were moments when Federer went around the net, but it was sloppy serving from both Roger and Rafa. Not the highest first serve percentage for either guy. You look overall in the match. Yeah, uh, they made 63% of their first serves, but they won only 38% of their second serve points. Those second serves were hanging up, and Tiafa was swinging his forehand freely. And that gets us to the third set breaker. Quick three love lead for Nadal and Tia- uh Excuse me, for Nadal and Federer was a quick mini break lead, but Sock and Tiafo kept coming back. And credit to Jack Sock who steadied things with a couple of big serves into the body that drew a couple of return errors. You know, credit to Nadal who swung after a first forehand on his first point drew a backhand volley error off of his return from Sock to build that early mini break lead. But two missed returns from Federer and Nadal now they're up a mini break three two. And look again, Sock was just steady, landing his first forehand return, getting that ball cross court so that neither Nadal or Federer was comfortable poaching because the moment you cheat over, Sock beats you down the line. And then all of a sudden, it's three-all, and they play this ridiculous point. I forget what the score was, where Federer has a high-sitting forehand volley. He hits it between Sock and Tiafo. Sock, a ridiculous forehand instinct scoop cross-court pass Nadal half-volley reaction uh, to just sort of solidify Sock and Tiafo in early lead there or keep them on serve. But look, Federer has a match point, up 9-8. And, you know, he'll say to himself, I'm sure if asked, this is why I'm retiring – he hits the first serve, ha- you know, Sock gets a forehand past Rafa, Federer was moving one direction because it looked like what Rafa was going to cross, but it was still a forehand you would think even two years ago he gets to and probably executes pretty cleanly to the open space. That said, he's not able to get there and his feet are slow and he misses that ball in the net. And all of a sudden, it's 9-all. And then again, credit to Francis Tiafoe, who went, you know, 5-all. I know I'm going out of order here, but 5-all, deuce. He shanks a backhand volley that trickles over the net to set up a game point, helps Sock hold 4-6-5. You know, 9-all, laces a forehand return at Rafa, you know, down the line that he somehow lands inside the baseline. All of a sudden, it's match point, and, you know, Sock gets a big first serve and ultimately draws an error. And... Now Sak and Tiafo earned the win, and let's be clear—you know Team World has dominated labor Cup competition. I know going into the Demon Hour match earlier today, uh, our friend at Anna K Forever at Oleg S—I forget what the Twitter account is—I'm pulling it up now—but tweeted out a fascinating labor Cup stat about Team Europe's dominance. Yeah, at Oleg S at Anna K underscore Forever with the number four. CC Pass when he beat Schwartzman. Team Europe 32 and 14 overall in rubbers against Team World 28 and 6 in doubles. Excuse me, 28 and 6 in singles for Team Europe. 50% of their match wins had come from the next gen. Just one next gen win for Team World. Heading into the night session, Demon Hour obviously gave them a second win, but 32 and 14 overall, 28 and 6 in singles. Team World has dominated, and the reason anything's ever even been close is because Team World gives them—Team Europe has dominated, and Team World only gives themselves a shot by taking the doubles point. Big picture, Laver Cup, and I know it's the most minute thing in the grand picture of tonight's emotion, but man, Team World needed this. They needed Demon Hours three-set win, which we'll get into momentarily, but good follow-up for Sock and Tiafo to earn the point. That said, the emotion— Of the post match press conference. And I do have to say, I know it's Jim Courier's job as the MC to extract answers and you know that crowd paid so much money for those labor cup tickets tonight it was after midnight in the uk uh you want to hear from roger fetter particularly given this is his final moment on court and you know credit to courier for managing to balance being respectful of roger's emotions while still trying to you know ask questions of him and not stupid questions but questions about the moment about the people in the crowd paying tribute to roger about the team that has surrounded him and afforded him his opportunities for excellence and Again, you could just see what this moment meant to Roger Federer as he broke down after nearly every answer. Rafa's crying in the background, and you could feel Rafa's disappointment in losing the match so viscerally and just speaks to how much this moment means to even his greatest rival. You know, the respect Djokovic showed, the respect everyone was showing Roger Federer, the emotion you could feel for everyone. There were moments where it felt like Tiafoe and were like, you know what, it's okay if we don't win this match. Uh, at the same time, credit to them for finding a way to get through given the entire crowd was rooting against them it's a tough ending certainly for roger federer but 20 grand slam titles all the weeks at world number one all the titles all the wins all the records we can go through them again when we put our final bow on his career and have fun about where he stands in that greatest of all time discussion but what a moment the federer finale wasn't always the prettiest tennis particularly given Nadal and Federer were very stubborn. Was, look, we're attacking Francis. Don't play to Jack if you don't have to. But there were, especially the third set breaker got very, very fun. The level picked up on all sides. And so again, credit to uh, Team World on the victory. But uh, the Federer finale, I don't know. Are they going to be able to entice him to play one more match at Laver Cup? That would be fascinating. And to go full circle here, by the way, I talked about that Twitter spaces idea because I wanted to speak with fans and see what their reaction was. I was kind of happy I didn't do it because it was – I just wanted to enjoy this match and just – I didn't want to hear anyone other than the commentary. I just wanted to feel the match, feel the moment, feel like a part of it. And with all due respect to any friends or people who I would love to hear from now at AL Gruskin, tell me how you watched the match. For me, it had to be in solitude. It just had to be. I was on the exercise bike pedaling away. That's how I get out my nervous energy and you could just you were wrapped in the emotion and that's what makes this sport special and certainly despite the result it was a special special night that said let's look at the rest of day one of labor cup As this event is truly outstanding the passion on the bench the passion from the crowd the passion from the players the energy is palpable it's electric The fact that you get to listen to the changeovers, to hear Rafa, Federer, Djokovic, anyone on that sideline, all top 50 players, espouse their thoughts on anything tennis related, you're just listening to the great ones and how they process the information and what they're seeing out there. And isn't that what we always want? And given the laid back, energetic attitude of the conversations, again, given the depth of knowledge that is being shared we, if we're going to allow coaching moving forward, we have to mic up these players. We have to mic up these coaches because it's too valuable of a commodity to pass up as tennis fans. If it's happening already, we need to be able to hear it. And credit to the Labor Cup. I think it's one of its top five features. I'm absolutely in love. With the way that it works. Uh, that said, other most relevant matches of the day in singles. Let's start with Murray against Demon Hour. Demon Hour ultimately earning a three set victory. Come from behind 5 7, 6 3, 10 7. He was up in early break in the first set, but this match was a grind. 84 total points for Demon Hour, 83 total points for Andy Murray. I mean,. Look, Murray made this match extraordinarily physical. He forced Alex Minaur to have to create because Murray was fine chipping to the backhand, driving to the backhand, playing forehand down the line to the backhand, only pressing the Alex Minaur forehand if he was absolutely certain Minaur wasn't going to be able to plant his feet and turn freely. Both of these guys took advantage of second serves that sat up. On the court. That said, these Labor Cup courts are playing slow. And so, again, it's hard to get a ball by either of these guys regardless of conditions. In these conditions, this match was a track meet. And ultimately, Demon Hour won this match because he was the one creating from the center of the court. It was just a little bit too difficult for Murray to find ways to move forward with ease or find ways to – get Alex Diemenauer in a disadvantageous position on the court because, again, Diemenauer might be the quickest guy on the ATP Tour and you don't want to float an approach shot to him. He is that good on his passing shots. And so, you know, for Murray, it felt like especially in set number one, he was escaping with hold after hold, you know, deuce points after deuce points. Both of them were working deuces in each of their return games. Credit to Hour, who I thought his forehand was the most reliable weapon on the court. It was just the shot that was easiest to create with, whether inside out or in particular, how he turns into that ball down the line. Again, Hour was fine being disciplined, fine playing 50-ball rallies, and credit to him. His fitness in the end won out. Murray probably generated the majority of his unforced errors in that third set breaker because he had to press a little bit forward as his legs were given out on him. This match was extraordinary, though. And again, for Murray, big picture, he played two really high-level sets of 10-inch. For Demon Hour, it's been a pretty strong ending to this hard court stretch of the year, whether it was his run to the title in Atlanta, round of 16 in Canada before getting knocked out by Kyrgios, third-round U.S. Open, played a really good four-set match that, honestly, he probably should have come back and won against Pablo Crenio Busta. Two good wins at Davis Cup over Goffin and Bonesy. Now an impressive victory over an in-form Andy Murray, and it was just the physicality of it all for Demon Hour. You look for him here this season, 39-20 and 20 on the year. This would be a 40th victory for him when it inevitably does count. The serve has gotten a little bit better. Now, only by a percentage point, you look for hour in terms of his hold percentage on the year. He's holding serve 79.1% of the time. Excuse me, that's 0.1% above his average. But during this hard court stretch, he's at 81.3. And I do think he's gotten a little bit better at playing offense behind that first serve and just making life easy for himself. And he was just able to make things a little bit easier than Andy Murray was that said, big point for Alex Demon Again, an eighth victory in singles or whatever the record was, ninth victory, and, you know, second for a next gen world player. And you could just tell the energy for Demon Hour. He loves team tennis. And no one gave a better post match press conference than Demon Hour today when he, you know, talked about despite the fact that. The home crowd was obviously rooting for Andy Murray. He just loved the energy, loved the passion, embraced it all. And then he talked about how he hoped they replicated that energy for the Federer match. Demon Hour wins the press conference. That's why he's so popular. Um, And boy, is he just an electric mover out there on court. But, that was the two victories for Team World. Team Europe, two points via Stefano Tsitsipas and Casper Rude. Casper Rude, 6-4, 5-7, 10-7 for the highest ranked player in this event. World number two knocks off Jack Sock. Look, you know, again, credit to Sock, who I believe was down a break 5-4 in that second set. Or maybe he was down a break 3 5 in the first set. I think it was actually 3 5 in the first set, and he got the break back for 5 4 before Rude was able to break to close out this set. But you look for Jack Sock overall. Yeah, he kept fighting throughout the course of this match and stayed aggressive, whether it was with his first serve, winning 70% of those points moving forward to the net. He won 23 points at the net to Casper Rude's 11. He's just a big match player. He embraces the energy of this event and again that first forehand even on these slow courts was able to either push root so far back that sock had easy opportunities at first volleys or simply got the ball by casper root and again you look for jack sock this season currently sitting at 128 in the rankings tough loss form against diego schwartzman was up two sets to love before getting injured at the u.s open but 30 and 17 overall on the year won a challenger title back in savannah and you know again i think has played much better tennis this year i think he's been a top 100 guy and i would expect him if he doesn't get a wild card to get into the main draw of the australian open through qualifying in singles and He's just never a guy you want to face on the opposite side of the draw early in an event because when his serve, his forehand are clicking and he has fresh legs under him, he can be that dangerous. Obviously, two out of three sets, third set breaker, that's a format he thrives in. He's always been great for Team World, but credit to Kasparud, who in the third set breaker just stopped being afraid of hitting to the jack sock forehand and more than anything else forced Sock to have to play on the run. Kasparud came up with some pretty good backhands throughout the course of this match to T- uh, down the home stretch of this match, excuse me, to at least force Sock to press his forehand. But, you know, again, indoor hardcourt, not always the most comfortable surface for root and yet with his serve, his forehand, he's just able to create easy offense now, regardless of hit surface and ultimately the consistency of that play able to drag him through so credit to Ruud. and then your most impressive singles of the performance of the day was Stefano Tsitsipas 2-1 over Diego Schwartzman he dominated him I mean won 74% of his first serve points 68% of his second serve points broke serve five times was only broken once but again a 2-1 victory over a guy who beat him to start this season at the ATP Cup and for Tsitsipas it was just his serve his forehand were able to rip through these courts. And I think the flip side, and I know I've been building this case on this podcast a bunch over the past few months. It's been a tough year for Diego Schwartzman. You look for him now overall on this season; he's 31 and 21 overall on the year. But you look for him on hard courts specifically. I think that's where you see some of the struggles emerge for Schwartzman. He's nine and eight overall on hard courts this season. Nine and nine, if you want to include this Pass loss. But you know, again, hold percentage wise, he's under 70 percent for the first time in six seasons. I just think it's a little bit dif- more difficult this season for his ground strokes on this surface to penetrate the court. I think he still spreads the court extraordinarily well. He's going to move you to the outer thirds. He's going to make you uncomfortable, change directions. But against the best guys, those balls are sitting a little bit short on this surface. And Tsitsipas just was so comfortable in finding forehands and dictating with that forehand. And again, after a really disappointing U.S. Open run, Four seats. I know it was minimal Davis Cup. He got two wins at Davis Cup. Now a definitive win over Schwartzman. Just a nice little confidence boost as he looks to, you know make a strong run in Paris, get to year-end finals again, and a place he has had success. Indoor hard courts, faster surface, reward his game. The big serve, big plus-one forehand. The backhand today, again, Schwartzman couldn't hurt it. The backhand held up just fine on the return as well because, again, Schwartzman's return. Uh, serve, sitting up for Tsitsipas to have plenty of time to swing through. Really nice win for Stefano Tsitsipas. And, again, the energy, the atmosphere, There are shortcomings for Laver Cup, and when we have a guest on this show over the course of the next few days, we'll discuss those shortcomings, but they got today right. The Federer finale, it was a special day of tennis from start to finish and certainly one to enjoy as a tennis fan. With that said, uh, we will be back tomorrow to break down day two of the Laver Cup. We'll talk about everything happening in the pro tennis world elsewhere, as well as we continue to cover everything. Here at Crack Rackets. Of course, a shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of this content possible. Shout out as well to our friends at Tennis Point. Remember, tennis point.com, the promo code is CR15. With that said, for our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I am your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we will talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks everyone.